Calling All Cars, a copyrighted program created by the Rio Grande Oil Company.
Our story tonight opens in June of 1928, when pretty Barbara Morga, a girl of 19, is chatting gaily in her apartment with Mrs. Roberts, her neighbor from across the hall. Oh, my dear, I'm so glad for you. And when do you expect you'll be married? Oh, pretty soon now. Well, Russell and I haven't set the date, but we're going to run off any time, and, and when we come back, I'll be Mrs. Russell Burholm. How nice. And aren't you excited? Oh, terribly. I just can't wait. Oh, and Russell has a new car. And Sunday we're going out in the hills on a picnic. How nice. Oh, guide me a moment, Mrs. Roberts. Of course, my dear. Hello? Oh, hello, Russell. Yeah? Yeah, I have it in the desk. All right, now I'll look at it right now. Hold the wire. Oh, what's that? Don't be frightened, Mrs. Roberts. It's just Russell's gun. It's loaded. Let's see. Well, I can't make this out. Can you, Mrs. Roberts? Oh, don't point that at me. It's all right, really. Say, can you make out these numbers? I'm just afraid of guns. What do you want with a number? Well, Russell wants them, so he can get bullets for us. Bullets? Yeah. He wants to do some target practicing when we go on a picnic Sunday. Now, what do these numbers look like to you? Well, well let's see. Oh, please, keep it pointed the other way. <laughs> there. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, now, I'd say that looks like a three, doesn't it? Yes, that's right. Uh, and that's a two. Yeah. And a two and a zero. Thirty-two, twenty. That sounds right, doesn't it? Well, I don't know. Well, I'll ask him. Hello, Russell? Is thirty-two, twenty the number you want? Yeah. Well, that's what it is, all right. Yes, darling, all right. I'll look for you later. Goodbye. And Russell, I love you. My dear, get that gun out of the place as soon as you can. I tell you, I'm frightened of them. No good ever come of having a gun around the place. That weekend, in the canyon off Mulholland Drive, pretty Barbara Mulga is enjoying the warmth of a June afternoon with her sweetheart, Russell Burholm. On the horizon, white clouds dilute the friendly sun. Overhead, the sky is deep blue. A bird sings nearby. Barbara is completely happy, but for one thin shadow across her heart. But, Russell, we, we can't wait much longer. Why not? Well, I, well I've told everybody. Oh, my friends know we're going to be married. Now, listen, Barbara. I've been all over this before, and I don't want to listen to it again. Oh, but, Russell, you promised me you'd marry me, and... Well, every time I bring him up, you... You stop me. Oh, don't you think you've hurt me enough, Russell? Gee, I haven't any pride left. Now, for Pete's sake, let her. Oh, but, Russell... Now, you want I to want know to I won't wife. marry you. Well, I'll tell you now. I won't marry you because I can. I've got a wife and kid back east. Oh. And I'm going back to them as soon as I can. If you want the truth, I'm sick and tired of you, Barbara. Oh, Russell. From now on, we're quits. Oh, Russell, why didn't you tell me? Now you know what you're going to do. But I love you, Russell. I love you. <laughs> apparently missed Barbara Morgan. At least her disappearance was not reported to the police. 
And then, on the afternoon of August 2nd, 1928, as Detective Lieutenant Frank B. Condaffer of the Homicide Squad is standing watch at the headquarters. Homicide Squad, Condaffer speaking. Hello, Condaffer. This is Bergen over the fire department mountain patrol. Yeah? Condaffer and Sanderson joined Bergendorf on Mulholland Drive. Hello, Bergendorf. Uh, hello, Condaffer. Where's the body? Well, the body's down this gully away. Come on, follow me here. Well, boys, here we are. Yeah, who found it? We did. My name is Vernon Johnson, and this is my pal, Edgie Hitchcock. How did you happen to find it? Well, we was driving up this way, and we noticed some big buzzards circling over the bottom of the canyon. We went down to investigate. When we when we saw what it was, we run back and reported it. Mm-hmm. Been dead some time. Frank, look here. What's that, Sanderson? A bullet hole in the temple. Have uh, any clothes been found around here? No, sir, not a shred. Well, then it can't be suicide. No, she could hardly have wandered all the way here on clothes. That's what I figured. Looks like the body's been dragged down the hill here from the way that brush is flattened out. Yes, but it's going to be hard to make an identification, nothing to go by, excepting that she's a blonde. Uh-oh, say, wait a minute. Uh, what's that you just picked up? Hmm, may not be worth much, but we'll take them in. Four white beads. Anderson and Condaffer returned to headquarters, and for hours they pour over the files of the missing persons bureau. But their search seems doomed to failure. Well, this looks pretty hopeless. Yep, not a description here that I've seen that'll fit the body we found there. You still got the beads? Yeah, a lot of good they'll do. You find they're not large enough to take fingerprints from, and if they were, these prints would probably only be those of a girl. It looks like this is just another unexplained murder. Sure does. Barber, we might be, might help us a lot. Well, you're mistaken in the name. 
No one by the name of Miss Barber ever lived here. But there was a girl by the name of Barbara, Barbara Mauger, she was called. She suddenly went away. Her boyfriend called for her things. But his explanation didn't sound straight to me. Sounds like we're on the right track, doesn't that? Now, uh, tell us all you know about it, please. Well, to be truthful, I don't know much. But if you talk to Mrs. Roberts, she may be able to help you. She was pretty close with the girl. Where's she? Well, she lives across the hall from the apartment the Margaret girl had. Just go up the stairs and knock on the door on the left. Fine, thank you very much. Here we are. There's the name on the door, Mrs. Roberts. How do you do? Uh, we understand uh, that you were acquainted with a Barbara Mauger, Mrs. Roberts. Yes, that's right. She lived across the hall from me. Why, dear Al? We're police officers, ma'am. Barbara Mauger's been missing, and we're trying to locate her. When did you see her last? Why, why that Sunday when she went off on a picnic with a sweetheart? Uh, what is his name? Why, Russell. Russell Bearholm. Uh, do you recognize these, lady? Oh, well, those are her beads. What's happened? Is she dead? Oh, I just knew something terrible would happen that morning she left with me. Oh, that poor child. What's happened to her? Tell me. Now, Miss Roberts, you can help us most by remaining quiet and answering our questions. Yes, sir. All right, I'll try. Only tell me, what happened to Barbara? We uh, found a body yesterday, ma'am, oh. out in Stone Canyon. She'd been shot. What gun? The gun that belonged to her sweetheart, Russell. She had it here. What was she doing with a gun? Well, she said that Russell had left it with her. One day, the day before she went on the picnic, it was. I was in there with her when Russell called and asked her to leave him the number on it so he could buy some bullets. <laughs> I helped me out the number. <laughs> now, Mrs. Roberts, please, you must help us here. How long did you know Barbara Morgan, Miss Roberts? Quite a while. I was nearly every day when she lived across the hall. Did you know her sweetheart? I met him once when Barbara and I were running town. He was in front of the Metropolitan Theater. Did uh, he work there? That was my impression. And what did you say his name was? Bellholm. Russell Bellholm. Uh, how old was he? About 28, I should say. Well, several years older than Barbara, anyway. Did uh, Barbara seem to be happy? Well, not always. Sometimes when I visit her, I start to crying. But she never admitted it. She's always excited about getting married. Oh, she was engaged to this Burholm, then. Oh, yes. Although I, I somehow had a suspicion that he was doing her along. I see. Now, Mrs. Roberts, if you will tell us the circumstances of the last time you saw Barbara. Well... It was on a Saturday afternoon in the latter part of June. She was looking forward to a picnic she and Russell were going on in, in that place where you found her. Stone Canyon? That's right. Yeah, what else? Well, as I told you, he called and asked for the number on the gun. She gave them to him, and, and then she explained that she had borrowed it from a friend of his, and he wanted to try it out on a picnic. Now I know what that meant. Hmm. Can you think of anything else there? I can understand it all now. Russell came back at about six o'clock, and I asked him where Barbara was. He said, You said goodbye to Barbara, Mrs. Roberts. She left for the east this afternoon to visit her family. 
I asked him if that wasn't pretty sudden. And I was a little angry because, because he hadn't said goodbye to me. Oh, well, didn't it occur to you to report your suspicions to the police? Well, I never meddled in other people's affairs. His story seemed plausible enough. He said something about Barbara's having met an uncle of hers who took her back. After all, I, I didn't think it was my business to start an investigation. He could have gone away, as he said, you know. Yes, he could have. Now, Mrs. Roberts, have you any idea where this Burholm works? Well, as I said, I, I was under the impression that he worked at the Metropolitan Theater. Uh, Barbara used to telephone me. Where? At the Metropolitan Theater? I don't know. It was a Metropolitan number. Uh, can you remember it? Let's see now. It had some fives in it. Let me think. It was Metropolitan 152. Yes. That's it, Metropolitan 
It looks more like a pipe yard than a ballroom. Yeah. Hey, there you are. Yeah? There's Russell here. Russell? No, he's not working on this job. Oh, that's too bad. We're friends of his. We're leaving for San Diego this afternoon. We wanted to see him before we left. Well, you can check him at the office. I know he's there today. Okay, thanks. We'll drop by the office. to see you, Russell. Right this way, please. Huh? We're uh, off the Burholm. Come along with us. Yeah, I thought so. What do you mean? Yeah, I read in the papers about a body being found. Suppose you'd be looking me up. Then you killed her. Huh? I didn't kill anybody. I had an argument with my girlfriend and she left me. Is that any reason for you to think you'd be accused of murder? Well, I, I noticed the body was found out on Mulholland Drive and was out there I last saw Pretty uh, peculiar coincidence, don't you think? Oh, I don't know. Even if it is her they found, that doesn't prove I killed her. Somebody else must have done it. I'll warn you right now that anything you say may be used against you. At the same time, you're at liberty to clear yourself if you can. Uh, I guess I won't do any talking until I've seen an attorney. If you aren't guilty, you won't need an attorney. <laughs> Accompanied by a police stenographer who makes surreptitious notes from the front seat of the police car, Condacher and Sanderson drive Burholm to the scene of the crime. They question him en route. Now, you say you had an argument with Barbara, and she got out of the car, and you left her there. What was the argument about? Uh, she was always asking me to marry her. I told her I wouldn't. Why? I couldn't. Why not? Because I'm already married. Oh, I see. Then you had a motive. Now, what do you mean, motive? I told you I didn't kill her. Where did you first meet her? Department store in Philadelphia. They both worked there. What name did you go by when you worked in Philadelphia? Burholm? No. Now, my own name. Russell Sinclair Baxter. Oh, your real name isn't Burholm. Well, I'd, I'd gotten into a little trouble for store, so I decided I'd use another name out here. Because I didn't want my wife to trace me then. And I'm sick of this place. I'm going back to my wife and kid. Maybe you are. Perhaps you won't mind telling us why you thought the body found in the canyon might be hers. Sure. Sure, I'll tell you. Sunday, I, I think it was the 24th of June, we started toward Stone Canyon for the picnic. Everything went swell until on the way out, she began to beg me to marry. And I told her I wasn't ready to marry. Anyway, we had a quarrel. Finally, she started crying. Got so mad, she made me stop the car. She wouldn't ride with me any further. I kidded her a little bit, but I just made her mad, and she got up and walked off. That's the last I saw. Why'd you leave her? Along here somewhere? I really couldn't say. She might be near here. Well, let's stop here anyhow. Get out, Burholm, or Bicel, or whatever your name is. Now, you say you left Barbara and Margo on the road along here. Yeah, she, she said she'd get home all right. She said someone would come along and give her a lift. You haven't seen her since, and it's been over a month. That's right. Mm-hmm. Why didn't you report her disappearance to the police? Uh, I was afraid I'd get into a jam. Just like I am now, see? Uh, come on down this way, Bicel. 
script is where we found it. What? Yeah, surprises you, doesn't it? Not where you left her at all. That was further up the hill. But you hadn't figured on Kyle dragging her body, had you? Oh, stop. I tell you I didn't do it. Where's the gun you shot her with? You had one, and we're going to find it. Sure, I had a gun. Yeah. I brought a lens for target shooting. Your aim must have been very good. What did you shoot at? Nothing in particular. Birds, that's all. Yeah, what you really mean is you murdered her, stripped her body, and left it up the hill there. I did not. Where's the gun you used for target practice? My desk. I borrowed it from a friend. I thought I might buy it, but I decided not to. Naturally, having no further use for it. What did you do with the clothes and things you removed from her apartment? Well, I bundled them up and shipped them away. Where to? Well, I, I just sent them up to some town in Arizona. Phoenix, I believe. To uh, what name? I can't remember. But I, I put a Seattle return address in the pack. Well, what was the idea of that? I thought I could get him back again if you ever came a road for him. Come on now, Bicel. You must realize your story is pretty thin. We'll hold water at all. Uh, that's my story. Yes, and you're stuck with it. Uh, I haven't anything to worry about. Uh, you may have before you're through, young Michael has much to worry about as the case against him now. Philadelphia police notified his arrest in Thorn, Los Angeles, that he is wanted in Eastern City for embezzlement. A taxi driver, recognizing his picture in the paper, tells police to are taking him to the lonely spot of the murder late one night. A check of a fictitious address to which Michael admits sending Barbara's clothes results in the return of the package. Microscopic examination reveals some blonde hair on the clothing to be the same as the hair on the murdered girl's head. In September of 1928, Bicel goes on trial for murder before Superior Judge Charles S. Burnell. As the trial drags through one hot September day after another, Bicel maintains an elegant air of cool insouciance. Then, after the defense has been wound up, the prosecution introduces a surprise witness. Yeah, this is going to be a stint. It doesn't look bad. Hmm. Who's this guy they're calling up to the stand? I don't know. Let's listen. And what is your profession, Captain Crosman? I'm an expert on ballistics. Will you explain to the jurors what that means? Ballistics is the science of projectors. Good. Do you recognize this gun? Let me see. Yes, I examined that gun for Lieutenant Condotter of the police department. This is the gun you examined. The same gun which has been entered in testimony as belonging to the defendant? Yes. How do you know it is the same gun? Well, I recognize the serial number, but even if I didn't, I'd know it by the saw marks on the side. The barrel has been sawed off, apparently, to make possible the attachment of a maximum silence. I object, Your Honor, on the grounds that this has no bearing on the case. It has a direct bearing, Your Honor. If the counsel for the defense will permit me to proceed. Objection overruled. Proceed. I would like to admit as exhibits uh, two enlarged photographs. Turn them so the jury may see them, Bailey. Thank you. Now, Captain Crossman, uh, do you recognize these photographs? Yes. They are enlargements of photographs I made myself. And will you tell the court uh, what they depict? The one on the right shows the mouth of the barrel of this gun. The saw marks I referred to may be seen clearly. Your Honor, I object. Objection overruled. Uh, the other photograph shows three fired bullets. You will notice the grooves clearly shown along the sides of the slug. These grooves were cut by the saw mark on the barrel of the gun. Your Honor, this is a waste of the court's valuable time. Witness may proceed. The bullets, you will notice, are marked identically. 
The ones on the right and left were test shots made from this gun. The middle bullet was taken from the skull of Barbara Morgan. Nothing could save Beisel after the unimpeachable testimony of the ballistics expert and the jury of five women and seven men found him guilty of murder in the first degree. On September 28, 1928, Judge Burnell sentenced Beisel to hang by the neck until dead. And on August 2, 1929, Russell St. Clair Beisel paid his ultimate debt to society for his crime. Thank you, Chief Judge. Departments of the West are great boosters for real brandy cracked gasoline. The officers and sheriffs who drive police cars know that it develops greater speed and power in their engines, especially in emergencies when so many ordinary gasolines fail. The recommendations of these police officers and sheriffs have caused thousands of motorists to try real brandy cracked gasoline. With such satisfactory results that real brandy is leading all gasoline companies in percentage of sales increase. You'll try real brandy cracked someday, and you'll be thrilled by your car's improved performance. But when you're trying and you're enjoying the greater power and speed created by a real brandy crack, be sure that your engine is protected. High speeds in hot weather thin out many motor oils so that they rupture and break down. That's why we urge everyone who drives to use Sinclair motor oil. Sinclair Pennsylvania and Opaline motor oils provide a guaranteed film of protection that never breaks down at any speed. Because all impurities, wax and petroleum jelly, are extracted from Sinclair motor oils, you can use a lighter grade, which makes your engine run smoother with less drag. You use less oil because the impurities that burn foam carbon are already extracted. Fill your tank case with Sinclair motor oil. Fill your tank case with Sinclair motor oil. From refinery sealed tamper-proof tents. Sold by all real brandy dealers. When you drive in tomorrow, also ask for your free copy of the latest Calling All Cars news, which illustrates the complete junior detective outfit that real brandy is giving away free to all boys and girls. 